better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Righto, we are back on the couch. It's uh, it's Monday. It's uh, State of Origin Selection Day. Uh, Jared, you're uh, you're downtown Brizzy. Welcome. Morning, Stephen. Um, two nil in the ashes, um, but I don't think any Englishmen out there probably want to listen to the podcast today. Yeah, that's a podcast in itself, isn't it? Last night's of events. Uh, I know Woody was up all night. He's on the beach coaching now, so he won't be joining us. But uh, yeah, plenty happening. Well, yeah. Anyway. Um. Quick apology to our listeners for uh, we didn't get the captain's run up last week because uh, we're all actually felled with the flu. Um, it is pretty hard, actually. But we're back. We're back today. Uh, an eventful weekend. Uh, plenty happening on the uh, on the tipping front as well. Um, I don't know if you've had a look at the at the tips, but Kiwi Doc has surged surged to the lead. He's on ninety nine points, followed by Juzzy on ninety eight. Sammy Powell on 97, with Mortal on 97. Greg Murdoch is hovering on 93 with his Joker. So, well, you'd have to think Greg Murdoch is, I don't know, what, you get double, yeah. Going to be close. He's got to pick He's got to pick him right, though, Steve. He's got to pick him right. And to be fair, this back half of the season, normally the form is starting to be very well exposed as, we saw in a few of those games over the weekend, and so it's a lot easier to try and come up with six or seven or eight right than it is uh, back in the start of the season. Yeah, there's a lot of close games on the weekend, wasn't there? There weren't uh, there weren't many big uh, big scores, and teams that have been in form remain in form. I mean, my God, it all started on. Uh, we'll, we'll start on the on the actual round uh, from last week, which is Thursday night, and we'll get into state of origin at the back end of the potty, but. Uh, Thursday night, hapless Dragons uh, playing the Sharks at home, 52-16. Um, every man and his dog except for the new appointed coach, Flanagan, wants out. Uh, what would you make of that one, Jared? Yeah, I, the Dragons were poor, just obviously really, really poor. And I, I didn't think there was a lot of quality in what the Sharks did, and they ran up 52 points. So it about tells you where the game was. And we, we still just don't know or maybe we do, whether the Sharks are going to aim up against these top four or five teams on the table. and um, They had so much go their way too. and uh, A lot of six agains, a lot of penalties. The penalty count was incredibly lopsided. A lot of uh, forced errors from the Dragons. They had a mountain of ball, and they literally just had a picnic um, uh, you know, running in some soft tries. And, uh, you know, the Dragons... On the bottom of the table, probably lucky that over the weekend we then end up with uh, the Barkles with a couple of other teams. It takes a bit of focus away from them. Yeah, the uh, the Sharks really have to stump up and see if they, you know, at the back end of the season and, and uh, you know, we need to see if they can beat sides in the top eight because they're sort of a little bit flat-track bullies, aren't they? A little bit like Manly last year at present. Yeah, they are. And... I, the problem, the problem is that their their draw 
they don't really get a lot of tough games in that run home. You know, they're going to get the Panthers, they're going to get the Rabbits. They'll get the Cowboys, which will be a really interesting test in round 25. Um, so there's three games that maybe tell us whether they aim up at this top end of the table or not. Uh, right now, they, uh, you know, they're rolling along at nine wins from 15 games, but just not sure where that depth is. Uh, Friday night early, we went to uh, we went to New Zealand. Uh, atrocious conditions. Uh, the Warriors went down to the Rabbitohs. Uh, really good bounce back by the Rabbitohs. They were there from Monday week ago, Jared. Um, really good preparation for the Rabbits. Uh, maybe some sides that were on the back end of some shellackings over the weekend could actually um, read into how a professional club um, prepares itself when they need to. You know, need to consistently get wins. Um, very well, well prepared, Rabbitohs, and they played very well. Yeah, I think there's a, a few key points here. I mean, uh, one is the Warriors do not like wet weather. They've had two games at home in the wet against the Roosters and the Rabbits and been very poor and have not handled the conditions. So certainly we can write down that they are just not wet track runners. Uh, I agree with you totally. Uh, the professionalism and the prep that uh, Demetrio put them through. And one thing about Demetrio, when you listen to his press conferences, he's very honest and he's very uh, astute about what he's got to say. Uh, the week prior, they were poor against the Cowboys in the second half. Now, that form stacks up, up uh, probably pretty well, given how the Cowboys uh, are in a bit of a rich vein of attacking form at the present moment. But... Demetrio was very honest in his assessment that their attitude wasn't right, their defensive commitment wasn't right, and they had a bit of work to do. They went to New Zealand early, they really knuckled down in those conditions, and then pulled away with, uh, you know, in the end, a comfortable win. I thought the Warriors at home, given all of the outs, and then we had a, uh, a late news of Graham being rested for the week, you know, the Warriors started uh, six point favourites and um, never got in the contest. Yeah, um, as a bit of a form line, I, I, I'm, I'll be absolutely amazed if Cody Walker isn't in uh, discussions and probably should be starting at 5'8". I mean, in terrible conditions in New Zealand, he was he was just outstanding. Gee, he was good. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. And, and you're 100% right, but I mean, all the mail is that he won't be picked and that they'll stick with um, the two that they had in game two. Um, Cody just stood up. They needed a leader that were without Luttrell, uh, and he was super. Yeah, um, Laurie Daly made a really good comment, I thought, uh, over the weekend in regards to Cody Walker in that game, and um, that in origin you want players, especially in the back line, you want players that, that uh, obviously make correct decisions um, in high-intensity uh, situations but um, can do it consistently. And if you have a look at that game in the conditions that it were, you know, the conditions were terrible. You know, some of his kicking, some of his looping around the back, his passing game, like, yeah, geez, he's in a rich vein of form at the moment. If they can get their, well, if they can keep their defence intact, he'll rack points up for them. Well, and the other thing too was he, he just shone in his ability to actually read the play. You know, he could, he was looking ahead at what was happening and where he needed to put the football, where he wanted to put the football. Um, the, the the key little areas of what they wanted to do with their attack, his direction was just outstanding. And, and all those years of his experience come to the fore. And you're 100% right. And 
the most disappointing part about Cody Walker was that he was uh, cheered up and spat out a couple of years ago by Fittler in the rep system with just the one guy. And, you know, we know he's so much better than that. And, uh, again, it highlights the issue for New South Wales selection over the last three or four years. Whereas, uh, you know, now 10 or 11 blokes have just been given one game, yet their club form has either suggested they should have been in rep football or they should have been persistent with. Yeah, um, Friday later on down in Melbourne, um, I must say I thought this was a bit of an upset. Storm beaten after leading easily uh, by the Panthers. Um, are we looking at a three-time premiership winner um, here in the Panthers, Jared? Gee, they it doesn't really matter what 13 they put on the field. They are they have been outstanding in the last four or five weeks during Origin. Uh, Steve, they uh, they are just such a solid quality team, and Nathan Cleary's not playing. You know that's how strong their system is, and I have to say, Cogger was outstanding. He so, has someone really, has, someone really, has to snap him up. Oh, he, 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 you, you go back and watch the the little segment highlights of his game. Uh, in this this particular one here, yeah, some of his little support plays, a couple of uh, really astute little small kicks that led to tries, and his general organisational play, he's just slotted in but really aimed up. He, there's no doubt that he's a first grade um, halfback in the right system. I mean, you don't want to throw him to the wolves in the wrong team, but yeah, the other thing about the Panthers to be down fourteen to two, come back as strongly as they did and then power away in that last 15 minutes. They're just a very, very good team. Um, I marked that game even. I I tipped Melbourne because I thought they may have had an advantage playing in Melbourne. Um, Penrith just absolutely aimed up. Uh, Outstanding win. I've now got them four and a half rating points at the top of the table from the next challenger. Yeah, that's a decent gap at this time of the season running into the, the the back end. And as you suggest, I'm just not sure who ends up being the one that can roll them on the day. I mean, I think the top two for me at the moment are the Panthers and the Rabbitohs. I think there's daylight behind them. Um, if they end up on opposite sides of the draw into the finals run, then they're the two that I think we'll see on grand final day. The, um, in that game, uh, two really good examples of kids that have always been able to play that started out in, you know, subpar uh, setups at the Knights, Jack Cogger and Nick Meaney, um, went to the Bulldogs, you know, again, through that period, not a great setup, and now have landed at clubs that have really good setups, um, you know, very good coaching, and have a look at how they're blossoming. You know, Nick Meaney yep. having, you know, best year of his career. And Jack Cogger showing everyone that he actually is a first-grade halfback. So hopefully, 100%. I, I, I think for Cogger, I mean, it's it's really important, isn't it? I mean, you have to be in a strong club. And as a halfback in this day and age, you have to be behind a strong pack. And I think yep. it would probably not be a great decision to for him to move out of that Panther setup and, you know, go and sign with the Tigers who will probably be playing NRL, Cup, you know, Q Cup next year, I'd imagine. Um, you know, or a weaker club. I, I just don't think that would be a good move. I agree. I agree. And, and uh, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday afternoon, Stephen. You look around the clubs that are struggling. The, the key, one of the real key things is that they have inexperienced 
playing at seven and six and their key playmaker. And you look at the teams that have turned their fortunes around in the last couple of seasons and or continue to dominate at the top, they either have an incredibly good system and, you know, the Panthers and the Storm would probably be the top two, uh, or they have really good quality experience that uh, in their playmaker and the guy that uh, is able to direct everything around the field. And look, look at the turnaround at the Broncos since Reynolds has been there. Um, you know, then, then look at the system at the Storm. You know, look at the influence that Fogarty's had at the Raiders. Uh, look at the influence that Nico Hines has had at the Sharks. Clearly, we just touched on Cody Walker at the Warriors, uh, at the Rabbitohs. You know, Johnson's just been in uh, an incredible vein of quality form this year for the Warriors. You know, Mitchell Moses just continues to stand up at the Eels. And on it goes with the teams that are in the top half of the table. And then we look at the ones that are struggling, and they're just completely rudderless at seven and six. And there's no seven and sixes around, unfortunately. That's right. Just... And, and and coming back to your point, I mean, if if you're Cogger and, you know, you think you've got another three or four or five years uh, potentially in first grade, um, I think he's much better to stay at Penrith next year for another year and play this role uh, as opposed to throwing himself um, into a West Tigers or uh, a, a like system. Um, and then, you know, the other question mark which it raises about the West Tigers, which we'll get to in a moment, but, you know, they're talking to, you know, this supposed young gun from uh, Manly at the moment. I mean, the kid's only 18. If he goes to the West Tigers, uh, he's just going to absolutely struggle, given what's around him, to be able to stand up and lead them with that lack of experience at 18. He might have the flair. He may have the, the makings of a very good footballer. But he's still five years away from being the sort of guy you want to be able to run your system. Well, that's exactly what uh, the Manly CEO, um, Tony Mestrov, that, that he said there's absolutely no doubt about his talent and, and the fact that he can play and he'll be a future first grader, but he's not a first grader tomorrow. So, you that's know, right. if, if clubs are prepared to offer him big money, well, we can't match that for the fact that we think he's good insurance in three or four years. So, 100%. Um, the next game, Raiders-Titans, um, it sort of highlighted what we actually started to see in the Storm Panthers game, which was the NRL bunker. Some of the decisions, like the decisions, a couple of decisions in the Storm Panthers game and then, you know, a couple of decisions in the Raiders-Titans game, especially the David Fafita non-try. Um, I, I don't know. It, it seems that they very much have a Bill Harrigan approach, don't they? That the bunker wants to be the centre of attention and it wants to overturn decisions that are made on the field just to be the centre of attention. We saw it well, in State of Origin with a couple of decisions. Um, I just they, I don't understand how they can consistently get really, uh, I think, quite easy decisions wrong when the NRL masses, like all of us out there, have a completely opposite uh, view on on how it's how it rolls out. Like, surely not all of us are incorrect. Yeah, I, I agree, Stephen. We've got got to a stage now, and Tony Archer started us down this path about five, six, seven years ago, where he wanted things that were black and white, and so it was all about technicality and no feel for the game. Now, there is absolutely no way that Nelson didn't create a knock on. In scoring that try for the Storm on Friday night. How was that awarded a try? Absolutely. 
absolutely. And then we go to this game here, and um, I thought the big question mark it was on review was whether he was onside, not not the incident that happened over the try line. Um, and I think if you actually go back and look at the slow-mo, the thing they should have been looking at more closely was whether he was onside, because I think there's a question mark there. What actually happened with the, the push? I mean, the, the guy's double the size of the bloke that he interfered with. Um, it wasn't actually a, a proper push in the back. He was he, His eyes and intent were on the ball. It's a try every day of the week. Mm. Yeah, I thought the Titans Just were up. actually a bit unlucky in that game on Saturday against the Raiders. Yeah, they were, but due to their self-errors again, you know, their, their self-errors were just horrible. Um, you know, coming out of their own end and a couple of key occasions uh, during the flow of the game, not only just in that last five or six minutes where, you know, they turned the football over themselves and just put the Raiders back into the game. And um, The Raiders are their own worst enemy. They're, they're in the top three for offloads and creating second-phase play, and they do it so well going down the park. But then there are two key issues is that their red zone attack at times just so much struggles, which is just mind-boggling when they're coached by a guy who was an outstanding halfback. But then their inconsistency, they just go to sleep in games and let opponents back in. But, you know, they won at home again. The Titans lost on the road again. Yeah, that's now only two wins from their last 18 games away from Brisbane or the Gold Coast. I mean, that's where the, uh, the Titans' major issue is in being a semi-finalist. Mm. Uh, Saturday evening, um, the Tigers, they travelled to Townsville and they were on the end of an absolute masterclass by the Cowboys, led by uh, Tommy Dearden, Scott Drinkwater. Um, I don't know yet. You know, they've had some amazing fullbacks up there in um, North Queensland, but... If Scotty Drinkwater doesn't get injured, he's going to go down with um, with the Matty Bowens and the like up there. He was he was absolutely outstanding. It's like he had spiders on his back. Yeah, well, I, I said on radio last week, Steve, you can put your own number on this because at that stage the market was sixteen and a half. It wasn't ever going to be enough. Seventy-four so always... nil, Jared. Seventy-four nil. Woody, where this are you? Was all... This was always going to be a big, big lopsided win um, and you know I mean what was it 42 nil at half time drink water was outstanding but listen the key thing about the Tigers uh, was they were on the road in a state which their record as such is horrible yes they had their seven and their nine out which were very very important and key outs but I'm telling you you, you watched this after about the 12 to 14 minute mark there are blokes who just did not want to be there and did not put in, they did not tackle, their attitude was disgraceful. They are not on the same page. Well, I, I don't, uh, what bank for their buck are they getting out of this pommy? Like bait, well, like, like dead yeah. set. I, I haven't seen the guy play a stretch of 10 minutes that's been four. And no, absolutely yeah. no doubt he's on big money. Um, during the buy, apparently he went back to the UK and, and he was back here Thursday for a Saturday game. Like... That's not that's not professional NRL, you know, club. Like it really. Well, isn't. yeah, and it was obvious that the guy had you know had fatigue from all of that travel because you know he made two or three self forced errors, um, and you know he clearly p- played very poorly. But you know he wasn't Robinson Crusoe. Oh. They they had a whole 
a whole heap of blokes in the middle who just did not want to have a crack or a go. Uh, and they're playing blokes that are not first graders in, in the roles that they're being asked to play, and it's an absolute mismatch. It, it, um, and the, the key now, Stephen, is going into the future. They've lost Brooks. So what are they going to do at six and seven? You know, uh, Doey won't be back until uh, around 10 or 12 next year. Well, and that's after his third, his third recon. That's exactly right. So how does he come up? Um, and yeah, so who's going to play seven and six next year for them? Uh, and there are no obvious choices out there. Uh, their rebuild is literally three years, at least at the present moment. And yeah, all the focus is back on the coaching staff and the recruitment staff and then the players. And the two blokes who, who over the last 10 years have led them into this disaster just continue on. Yeah, I, again, I think it's uh, it's a great example um, when we look at up until the Saturday night of two clubs, Dragons, uh, the Dragons and the uh, and the and the um, Tigers. As far as uh, you know, it starts at the top, and you know how yep. you employ recruitment officers when you haven't, you know, you haven't run it by the coaching staff and just all these other just uh, these things that just don't stick, uh, just totally. Reek of not being a you know a team environment. It just really, it just really makes you wonder. Um, I think the other focus on the Cowboys too, Jared, is that uh, Todd Todd Payton has made it very clear in the last couple of years the way he coaches. But it's a really good example of patience, and he's made it very clear this year. Well, just give us some time. This is early on when they were struggling and they had quite a few injuries. Um, you know, judge us when we get our best players back on the park. And and I know well, uh, they were on the belting on the end of a belting from the Tigers, and they were, they were playing poorly, and their defence was very poor. Um, but then they've been able to turn their defence around and actually string games together with um, you know week in week out where they've actually been able to add you know some of their better players. You know, Nanai, um, you know, Drinkwater's been back from suspension. Tom Alomo, like you know, they've been able to add their better players back into the starting thirteen and. Have a look at how they're performing. Well, I think they're a perfect example um, of a team that had a lot of guys that played in the World Cup, um, got back late, yeah, didn't get back, to, didn't get back to preseason training, training until late. Uh, were very underdone when they started the season, and Peyton made that that point five or six weeks into the season. Then they were picking up injuries, and then it compounded. You know, instead of one or two key. Blokes. At one stage there, they had six or seven guys that were out, um, and they didn't really have the depth. Uh, they really struggled. They went on a, a really poor run there for a period, uh, and you're right, it was highlighted in their defence uh, and their away record. And then they're just getting everybody back three, four weeks ago. Started to get the you know the band back together, build some confidence. Their best win was last week in Sydney to come down here and beat the Rabbits the way that they did. Uh, yes, the Rabbits were still missing a couple of key blokes, but it was at home, Bush. It was a Sydney away game. I think that's the turning point for their season. Uh, I think um, the difference there yeah. too, Jared, is the form line is if you have a look at those, like the Cowboys, and compare them to other clubs sort of sitting in the eight, like, say, the Sharks, they've actually beaten teams above them and they've beaten them convincingly in the last month. You know, they belted yep. the storm, they beat the Rabbitohs, you know, they've 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 strung some really good wins together. 
Well, you know, four weeks ago they were fifteen dollars to make the top eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't have I a think, slice I think of that. They're I, a genuine, I think unless they run into injuries, they're a genuine chance to win the comp. They're a side that can beat the Panthers, I think. They're a side that obviously can beat um, Souths and and, uh, and the Storm on their day. So they've got, they, well, they got the, so much attack. The key thing to beat the Panthers at the back end of the season is you've got to have points. And I think that the two key challenges that uh, are going to have that are going to be um, certainly the Rabbitohs, if they're fully fit and they've got Luttrell on the park, and certainly the Cowboys. And if we look at the Cowboys' run over the next few weeks, they've got some really interesting games. They're going to play the Sea Eagles in two weeks' time off the back of Origin. So mm-hmm. both teams are going to have their rep players backing up, and that's at Brookvale. Really good game. Following week, they play the Eels. Then we've got the Titans, the Broncos, the Sharks, the Dolphins. And then their last game of the season is the Panthers. So the Panthers game will probably decide where they finish up in that top six, uh, if not eight. Um, and it'll be very interesting coming into that game because if the Panthers have a comfortable position, Ivan Cleary has shown in the past he's prepared to rare players. So does that give the Cowboys a little bit of a walkthrough result the week prior to the semifinals? Really interesting watch. And it's good to see that we've got a team that uh, is putting the wind up everybody else in the top eight that want to play football. Yeah, and they've got plenty of points and they're, they're, they're so attractive to watch. Um, Saturday Ed night. was outstanding. I, oh. I can't believe... How good a competitor believe, is he? He just competes on every play. And I can't believe how he's blossomed under Peyton. He was one of the first moves Kevy made, wasn't he, to move him on? Yeah, yeah. And he was treading water at the, at the Broncos. His defence and his, and his confidence was completely shot. And again, comes back to my point about young and experienced halves. Um, you they, need they to be in time. the right system. Yeah, and they yeah. take time. You know, like, you know, again, you, you have a look at just three examples that we've highlighted, and they're all, I think they're all the same age, actually. Meany, Cogger, Drinkwater. Like, they're now 25, 26. You know, they're not, they're not well, 19 and, and, or 20. Well, the, the other key... Uh, positive for Deaton is he's, he's had an experienced hand outside him. Mm. You know, Townsend, you, you speak to Peyton at any stage of the last three years. He talks about the impact that Townsend has had on uh, experience and direction around the park and the change it's made to how they play as a team. Yeah, it just shows, doesn't it? Uh, Saturday night, um, really good game of footy. Broncos... Uh, they got up over the over the Dolphins. I actually thought the Dolphins were a bit unlucky in this one. Um, Cobo's couple of uh, couple of shows of brilliance, including the chip over the chip over the top, regather twenty four sixteen. Pretty good quality oh, okay. game of footy this one. That Cobo try was just an absolute highlight. Uh, yeah, it was. L- listen, the Broncos are really struggling at the moment. They got they've got a really difficult. Uh, period. I'm not sure how they balance up out of this because they've lost Luke Flegler for the season. That's an enormous out. He has a uh, an ankle injury that uh, he uh, is very unlikely to recover from. Um, then they've got Ricky on the sideline, Capel on the sideline. Uh, Haas is carrying his ankle injury. Reese Welsh in the um, naughty corner. He's in the naughty corner. So all of a sudden, that's that's really put a bit of a full stop to the momentum they had because they came out of that game in, uh, against the Warriors and then the Sharks, both away, that I thought looked like the making of their season and two of their best wins, to now be in a position where they're 
really struggling, and we've been touching on this all season. They've got a tough run home, and uh, many of these games are away. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, they've got the Rabbitohs, then the Roosters, then the Cowboys, then the Eels, and their last two games are the Raiders and the Storm. It's a really difficult run home. They could very quickly be on a slippery slope down the table. Yeah, I think they will be. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be real testing, and I think they, to me, the last two weeks they look like they've got the wobbles, lose a couple of key guys, and I don't know. State of origin, they're probably going to lose a few more. I think it's going to be a difficult four or five weeks for for the uh, for the Broncos. Well, and I, I think if you look at that run home, there's probably only one of those games which is against the Bulldogs that you'd give them. Now they got twelve wins, so they got a little bit in the bank. But uh, you know, let's give them They've thirteen wins at the moment. Them. Yeah. So let's give them thirteen wins. But when you've got teams in in the middle of that top eight that have got uh, ten and nine wins, uh, and they may have far more favourable draws, it's not going to take many games and many weeks for them to be at thirteen wins, possibly fourteen wins, and the Broncos to be right at the bottom of the eight. Yeah, the the the, the actual makeup of the positioning in the top eight, it's going to come down to the you know basically the last point scored in the last round, I think, isn't it? Yes. It's going to be very close. Uh, Sunday uh, afternoon, um, the Knights turned up and played against a very hapless, inept, inexperienced uh, Bulldog side that dead set had no interest from the opening bell. No, they didn't. I, and I, I found this game really difficult to split going into it. You know, the Knights' recent form, I think, has been poor. They were very poor at uh, Penrith last week. Um, their away record is horrible. The Bulldogs uh, equally off some really poor form, absolutely spanked at their last start by the Sharks. Had the advantage of a week off with a bye. I thought that might help them get a few things right in defence. Well, that just wasn't the case from the outset. Their right edge was like a magnet. The Knights' first five tries all through that same edge uh, opened them up. Uh, with ease, and away it went, 66-0. You know, we've ended up with two games over the weekend at 74-0 and 66-0. I mean, go and talk to the fans and go and talk to those who uh, manage the the TV and media. That is not good for the game. Yeah, well, five-year plan, Serraldo. Uh, he's got as much work as Flanagan has at the uh, at the Dragons, I'm afraid. Gee, there's some work to be done there. Yeah, there, there, there were, again, it highlights blokes who just didn't turn up. But as a team, they didn't turn up. As you suggest, right from the outset, they were not interested. They were not in the play. Um, and it was all one-way traffic. I, to his credit, Ponga was outstanding. Um, he just had a picnic. Um, you know, Hastings walked through try. I mean, it was just, you know, best had a picnic on that outside edge. Um, you know, the, the form was paper thin. Um, Sunday afternoon, full house at Brookvale, 18-16. The Seagulls uh, got the money over the Roosters. I thought it was a really good quality game. Um, the Roosters went down, uh, but I think they're showing some, they're showing some signs, dare I say, of some solid improvement. Um, is it too late, quite possibly, to scrape into the yeah. eight? Uh, but still, um, you know, a lot of guys out uh, from their their top-tier list, including 
you know, Billy Smith and Suwali who uh, couldn't uh, back up after training mishap where they got head knocks. Um, but it was a really – it was was a good quality game, Brookie Jarrett. Oh, it's fantastic. And, and this is this is where rugby league is at its best, when you've got a suburban ground that's completely full, uh, you've got an afternoon game as opposed to a night game, and you've got two long-term rivals. It was fantastic. The atmosphere was brilliant. Um, it was a neck-and-neck struggle all the way to the line. I thought the Roosters were probably the better team. Um, I thought their defence was outstanding. Their attitude was, was outstanding. Uh, it would be up there as either their best, if not their second best, offering this season. The other one that was very good was when they beat Parramatta earlier in the season at home. But they really had a crack here. And, you know, if you actually peel it back a little bit, the Roosters were missing uh, at least nine or ten of their normal list, if you include Lodge, who played the first half of the season. That's a lot of outs uh, to then really aim up like they did. Um, you know, against the Eagles, I thought the Eagles had so much opportunity that they just didn't convert. Uh, in the end, got home 18-16, just a cracking game of football. Uh, could have gone either way. Listen, longer term, I think you can put a fork in both of them and turn them over. They're both cooked. Uh, they won't challenge for the eight. Uh, but it was a really good game of football and, you know, makes for some interesting weeks ahead. Gee, um, Cherry Evans backed up well, didn't he? He was outstanding. Oh, just, fan- just, just fantastic. And, you know, take the intercept out of the game and the Roosters win. Yeah. And the Roosters were dominating. Yeah. Um, yeah. But his kicking game on occasions and, uh, you know, some of what he did was just outstanding and, he certainly can keep going for a number of years. His last two or three years of form, both at the Eagles and at Rep Football, has just been uh, the peak of his career. Um, so Queensland side, Jared, uh, has been announced. So uh, Brimson, Coates, Holmes, uh, Hammer, Tualagi, Munster, Cherry Evans. So no changes there. Ruben Cotter, Ben Hunt, uh, Tino. Fafita, Nanai, Pat Carrigan, Harry Grant on the bench well, with Lindsay Collins, move for, for Waker, Corey Horsburgh. Hmm. Well, well the, 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 what Billy's done, which again is all about stability, is the two blokes he's brought in is Brimson at fullback, hmm. who has played Origin previously, was in camp for game two. This will be now he just game. walks in yep. and slots in in game three, so there's nothing new there. Uh, Horsburgh has been in the squad certainly for game two. I'm not sure if he was there also for game one. Uh, he's been on the fringe. His form this year has been outstanding. I've touched on it a number of times. I, I just love the level that he's gone to this year. The other thing about Horsburgh is he works. He's, he's a real goer. With a, uh, He really rolls his sleeves up. You know, that's what Queensland do so well, pick the right blokes. Uh, he'll play off the bench. I'm sure Cotter starts. Um Onwards, Queensland go. I, I just don't see how they get beat in Sydney. Well, it's a bit hard to say until we see the New South Wales side, but I'm sure we're going to see uh, some, I don't know, I'm going to say some inept selections from what we're hearing. Um, I don't know. Well, all you, the, all, there's going to be mass the changes, isn't there, because there's a lot of injuries. Well, I think he's only going to make two or three changes, so he's only tinkering at the edges. You know, uh, Crichton will be one centre, um, it looks like he's going to put Burton on the left. Um, and 
then he's got a you know a couple of other key changes. What does he do in in the middle? I don't think he'll he'll make uh, a, a lot more change. Um, I mean, all the noises coming out over the last ten days has been that their camps have not been um, completely happy. Everybody's not necessarily on the same page. I think there's uh, a number of players in and out of the camp who are somewhat disillusioned with um, how they've been coached, uh, the tinkering and and alike with the team, uh, who's been dropped, who's been included, the changes, the rotations, you know, a lot of stuff that points back to the coach. Um, they now go into a game where they're down to zero. It's a dead rubber game. They already have a bit of uh, disillusionment. I just don't see how he, how he, given those issues, picks them up and gets them right to want to win game three. I just think Queensland are so much in the box seat. Yeah, I'll reserve my judgment until I see the side, Jared, and we can dissect it on, uh, on Thursday morning. Is that when we bring Woody in? Well, Woody's got a lot on at the moment. He's got back-to-back surf comps on the Goldie and uh, here in Lennox Head now. So I'm going to try. Um, I'm actually... Att- well, I was being facetious because I think poor Woody uh, is like many disillusioned uh, and disappointed New South Wales supporters at what's going on. Well, he's got the double whammy like I have. He supports the Tigers, I support the Dragons. And we both support New yeah. South Wales. <laughs> and well, we're on losers. Being- what about I being on the Dragons for the wooden spoon and then going into going into the weekend after Friday night, I'm thinking, well, there you go, look at the differential and then West Tigers get 74 put through them. That's just changed the whole differential equation at the bottom of the table. Maybe they should just stop and have a playoff for the wooden spoon, Tigers and, dra- yeah. and Dragons. Well, funnily enough, the two of them play each other in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, won't that be a quality game? Jesus. Yeah, where where will they hide that? Eh? Nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it'll probably be on stand. Um, right, well, we'll uh, I'll catch you Thursday morning, Jared, um, and hopefully I'll get Woody sitting right next to me. Yes, we'll have a bit of a chat about Origin. Right, I'm up. Catch you then. Take care. Bye. Don't smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>